Almost got run over today, I tell you, that's great. Glad to see the excitement. Uh, by the way, I did want to point out that um, uh, two of our interns participated. I uh, hope you all recognize them. They both grew up in this church, Cameron O'Brien and Carrie Duggar. Um, participated in worship, and they're here beginning their summer work with our kids. And then also Josie. Josie, I can't find you. Wave at me. Oh, there you are. Okay, I'm looking over here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Josie Zach, right, uh, from the Austin area, San Antonio, down there somewhere. She's a real sweet person. I know that she also uh, is from Chicago, aren't you? All right. So uh, it's really, really great to have them. They always bring life to the office. All right, let's be standing, please, as we read this, the Word of God. From 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I have a feeling that um, Kevin peeked and saw what the sermon text was today. Uh, it gave me a good jumping off spot, though. We're good. All right. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, this morning we're looking at a very familiar passage, and it's a passage that kind of has a title to it that's stuck. Uh, in fact, in my study Bible... And then I noticed also in the Bible, read from up here, those little editor comments they put at the top of your Bible or at the top of the paragraph to tell you what that paragraph is. All of those say this is about jars of clay. That's right. What a wonderful image Paul call, uh, uses there to talk about who we are and what our function is. And it's one that really captures our imagination and as it should. However, one problem is that when a text like this has such an iconic image in it that our attention can be just drawn to that image and we miss what's going on around it. So today what we want to do is quickly run through this whole passage that we just read and see what important things that Paul is talking to us about. He begins by saying this, as Kevin introduced in his meditation, Hey folks, it's not about us. It really isn't. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ as Lord. 
Now, I want to say this is probably the greatest point of our faith. If you could take down the, the, the Christian faith and boil it down to one element, it would be this, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is probably the greatest challenge that we face in our faith, is to come to the point where we can truly say with all our hearts and really mean it, that Jesus is Lord. It is life-changing. It changes everything about us when we can make the statement, and it's coming from our hearts, that Jesus is Lord. But I want to warn you, and Paul's going to warn you too, that it is probably the most difficult decision you will ever make. It doesn't come lightly. It doesn't come without struggle. Why? Because we're born into this world pre-wired to think that it really is all about ourselves. When we're born as a baby, who is life about? Me. I'm hungry. Doesn't matter that it's the middle of the night. Doesn't matter that mom's tired, that dad's tired. Nothing matters but the fact that I'm hungry. And I'm going to scream until I get fed. That's just the way it is. That's the way we come prepackaged into this world. Well, as we grow and as we mature, we begin to realize that there are other people around and that they have needs and that they have desires. And especially as we grow in our family and have to deal with brothers and sisters and mom and dad and all these people and then classmates at school and friends, we're constantly running into the idea, you know, maybe it's not all about me, but it's still a lot about me. Then we get to the point of marriage. Wow. Most of us didn't know what we were getting into when we got married, did we? People tried to tell us, but certainly marriage is a step where it's got to be that you have reached a point of maturity where you can deal with the fact that it's really not about me anymore. It's about someone else. However, talk to any of the marriage counselors. Talk to people in your own family. You find out that so many people that get married haven't matured to that point yet. And they're still thinking more about themselves than about the spouse. And marriages often break up because one person in the marriage, or perhaps both people in the marriage, never have gotten the message, it's not about me. Perhaps one of the greater steps that we take in maturity and growing up and realizing that it's really not about us is when we have those children. That one just kind of happens, doesn't it? And we realize that, wow, it's not about me, it's about this child. And willing to pour yourself into raising that child and loving that child. And most people do that. In fact, we're really shocked, aren't we, by parents that we run into on occasion or read about in the news 
who are still putting their own needs and their own desires above those of their children. So we start out pretty much focused on ourselves. And hopefully as we move through those stages of life, we begin to learn to cope with the fact that it's not all about me, that there's others. That just sets the stage for us, though, to make that great decision, to come into that great realization that it's not about me at all. It's all about Jesus as Lord. That is a step beyond anything that we experience otherwise in life. To say that I have a Lord that is the focal point of my attention and that I am willing to be on my knees and submit to Him and to listen to Him and to honor Him and to praise Him and to respect Him and to obey Him and to let His agenda become my agenda. That is the most difficult decision the most challenging decision we will ever make in our lives. So often, we don't really make it at the beginning of our walk with Jesus. Our walk is somewhat like the disciples' walk. We're attracted to him for some reason. Always interesting when I read the Gospels and I find Jesus going and saying, follow me, and they do. I always want to say, well, why? why? Why are you doing that? I wish I could ask, what are you thinking? What do you want to do? And I'm sure they had some really good reasons. But we know through their life and through their walking with him, they didn't quite get it yet. And so many of us who became Christians and we were baptized and we do believe and we do love Jesus still face the challenge of honoring him as Lord Because we bring with us in our walk with Christ, ourselves. And we still want to see if we can get some way that we can get Jesus to do something that we want him to do. Rather than falling down before him and saying, you tell me. From now on, it's what you want and it's your agenda. Well, what is that agenda? Well, Paul keeps on going and he tells us. As we read, he said, we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus as Lord. And who does that make us? It makes us your servants, your slaves. Be forewarned, because Jesus mentioned this all through his ministry. We can't get to heaven and say, you didn't tell us. Yes, I did. All the way back in in Mark, in the gospel, when he's walking with his disciples and Like I said, those disciples were growing into this lordship idea too. And and they were arguing about who's the greatest and all those. You know that story. Listen to what Jesus told them. He sat them down and said, now you guys, listen to me. You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers like to lord it over them. It's all about them. And their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not to be so among you. For whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must become the slave of everyone else. Why? For the Son of Man himself came to serve, 
not to be served. This is my agenda, and it's got to be yours as well. So we can't say we didn't know. On Wednesday nights, in the class that met in the auditorium over the past few weeks, we've been going through the seven deadly sins. And uh, I really benefited a lot from going back and looking at those and seeing how some of those can so easily creep into our lives. Does anyone, I don't know, I think uh, most of my group on Wednesday night was here for first service, but what was the sin last week? Number seven, does anyone remember? Sloth, that's right. I always like to get to that one. It's just kind of fun to say, sloth. That's not a sin that we think of a lot. We usually think of it as being like lazy. And sloth does include an element of laziness. But you know what the real core of sloth is? If we look at the Greek word that we translate for sloth, do you know what the literal translation of that word is? The translation is, I don't care. It's apathy. Apathy is the seventh deadly sin. That I just don't care. Well, if Jesus is your Lord, guess what? You got to care. You got to care about other people. You've got to care about their struggles. You've got to care about their needs. You've got to care about reaching them not only with the gospel, but with the basic necessities of life. You can't live a life saying, I got mine, you got your, you get yours. It doesn't work. That is not Jesus as Lord. When Jesus becomes our Lord, then his agenda becomes ours, and his agenda is to serve and to care about other people. Now, Paul goes on to say that he realizes that this is a very difficult thing to do. This is a difficult change to make in our lives. In fact, he says the only way it can happen is because God makes it happen. He says, the very God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Remember that story back in Genesis chapter 1, where there's just everything's dark and black, and God says, let there be light. And just simply because God said, let there be light, there was light. It takes that kind of power to produce this kind of heart, the heart of a servant who honors Jesus as Lord. It takes that same power to make it happen in us. He says, the same God who said, let light shine in darkness, has now shown the light of the knowledge of his glory into our hearts. And it comes to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not surprised that Paul chose this image of light to talk about this change that happens inside of us whenever we honor Jesus as Lord. Because you remember when Paul was Saul and he was persecuting the church and thought Christianity was just, you know, a a mistake and, and the wrong interpretation of everything? And he was traveling to Damascus in order to find more Christians and persecute them? How did he first encounter the living Jesus? In a light. A light that shone so bright that it knocked him to the ground. And it blinded him for three days. But he remembered seeing in the face of the living Jesus 
that light. And he said, that's the same light that can shine into each one of our lives as well. That light to let us know that Jesus is Lord. And particularly, that Jesus still lives. See, Paul or Saul or whoever he was, Saul at that time, Paul later on, he thought Jesus had died on the cross and he was gone. He was amazed to see he made it through death, that he still is alive and that he is the Lord of all. In fact, do you know what Paul's first words were when he got knocked down? Yes, Lord. He got it. And he says the same thing can happen within us. That the light of who Jesus is, the light that he is Lord, and the light that he still lives can come and live within us. That's where we get to the clay jar thing. He said this is the marvelous gift that we have. That Jesus can live within us. And who are we? We're just jars of clay. Jars of clay were just the inexpensive, everyday storage utensils in the kitchens of that time. You know, if, if you had something you wanted to put up in the attic, you put in a clay jar. If you wanted to put it in the garage, you put it in a clay jar. Because they were cheap. And they were disposable. It was the cardboard boxes or the plastic bins of our day. Paul says, we're nothing special. It's not about us. It's what you've put, God has put inside of us. And what God has put inside of us, now that is what's special. That is what is so valuable. And what is inside of us? That Jesus is our Lord and that we are his servants and the servants of all and that our Savior still lives. Which brings us to the next point. And this is the part that I want to skip down to the last part as we look at, and we'll back up just a little bit in a moment. To be honest, when I read this passage, so many times by the time I get to this part, I've kind of heard enough. You know, my mind's racing about all these wonderful things he said, and I miss what he goes on to say. Let me read it to you once again. We're going to read in verse 10. We are always carrying... In the body, my body, the death of Jesus. Now, it's interesting. Usually when Paul talked about the death of Jesus, he, he used the word thanatos. You know that word, thanatopsis, thanatos, death. And that refers to the crucifixion of Jesus, to his dying on the cross. But here he's not talking about his death on the cross. Not in particular. Not specifically. He's talking about the dying Jesus did all the time he lived. He uses a totally different word here. A word that he only uses one other time. In fact, the whole Bible uses only one other time. It's a word that we are familiar with. Necrosis. Our doctors, our medical people know what necrosis is. It's dying and death. It's what happens to tissue in our body 
whenever it begins to die away. What the point is that Paul is making is that Jesus himself used to be a clay jar. He lived in the same kind of body that we did. And that body suffered the same dying that we suffer. And we suffer dying all the time. We suffer loss all the time. We suffer struggle all the time. We suffer challenge all the time. And Jesus lived through it. He made it through it. He made it through the rejection. He made it through the mockery. He made it through all the struggles of his life. Jesus probably lost his father somewhere along the way, Joseph. We don't know what other losses he experienced, but we do know he struggled just like we do. And the point that Paul is making is he lived through it. Because within him is his power of God, and he has put that same power within us. And the encouragement is, is just as Jesus lived through living and dying, so can we. Because he put that kind of power and vision within us. This is why he can go ahead. I forgot all about this thing. All right, there they Sorry, I got so caught up. There, one th- uh, I know those are really interesting. Just as Jesus overcame death and the dying all through his time, we can too, and including then the final time when his body finally breathed its last. Paul was amazed on the road to Damascus to find out, yet he lives. So therefore, if you carry this treasure in your clay jar... If God is alive in you through the face of Jesus and his light and his life, then through all the ways that you live and all the ways that you die, it's going to be the life of Jesus that is seen. Paul says, we are often troubled, but we're not crushed. Sometimes we're in doubt. We really don't know what to do next but we never are moved to despair. There are many enemies in this world, many challenges we'll face, but we are never without a friend. And though we're badly hurt at times, we are not destroyed. This is the life that shines out of our jar, the life that God has put there, a life that honors Jesus as Lord, a life that has received his light. If you are someone who is struggling, welcome to life. But you've got to have the light. To name Jesus as your Lord will change your life forever. To believe and to hold him as the honored one whom you love and you serve will not only get you through this life, but will open the door for you to be with him forever. Let's stand and sing, and if anyone wants to come and to meet with one of the ones on the side,